Welcome to the Community Corner, the podcast powered by Bevy. I'm your host, Beth McIntyre. In this show, I interview community builders from all spaces in the industry. Stay tuned for actionable strategies to learn and community stories to love, all in 15 minutes. I'm excited to have my next guest, Howard Gray, who is the founder of Wavetable. Howard joins me to talk about engagement and creating engaging experiences for audiences and community members. He shares how through the use of edutainment and personal story, they can inspire more and better engagement. Welcome to the Community Corner, Howard. I'm so excited to have you with me today. Thank you for inviting me. I'm glad to be here. Well, let's dive right in. First, can you please describe what Wavetable is and what you do in your role? Sure. So I'm going to start with the name, actually. So I've been asked this a few times recently, why did you call it Wavetable? Wavetable is actually named after a type of synthesizer, so a type of synthesis. So if you're into music, uh, there is a type of, of synthesis called Wavetable. And the reason we called it Wavetable was because we actually see the future of learning and connection being a little bit kind of making music. So blending lots of different sounds together, incorporating lots of ideas into different configurations and sequences to create something new and exciting that people kind of get involved in. And so our company creates learning experiences, community experiences, transformation experiences. We we kind of believe learning should be more like an adventure than an endurance test, and it should feel a bit more like kind of creating and coming around music rather than kind of having to endure something you don't want to be around. So that's why we exist. Uh, more specifically, we're primarily a creative studio. So think of us a little bit like a creative agency, but very much focused around kind of learning, discovery, and community-based projects. We build everything from accelerator programs to offsites for companies. We do employee engagement workshops, um, and really everything is kind of geared around education and learning, but maybe more specifically and kind of very relevant to Bevy and CMX is community is a massive part of that. So we believe that the future of learning and connection, really community and peers are, are hugely important. So that's that's what Wavetable is. Think of us as a, a creative company to help businesses and individuals create amazing places for others to learn cool stuff. What I do, a bit of everything, honestly. <laughs> We're a small crew. So I'm the founder and CEO, which as many kind of entrepreneurs will probably relate to, that means everything from making tea through to end of year financial report through to business development through to being on podcasts. So I do a bit of everything. I particularly enjoy designing programs and talking to interesting people who are interested in this stuff like your good self. That's what I do in my role. My role is all encompassing. Well, you're among friends because I think there's a lot of people uh, in the audience of this podcast who also wear many hats and look darn good wearing all of those many hats. <laughs> I don't. I really wish I looked better in hats, but I've never really been. <laughs> I've never been a hat guy. Maybe that's why I wear many hats because then I don't have to wear a physical hat because I've never, never been a hat guy. You don't have to choose just one. But as we said before we started recording, it is very, very cold where we are based respectively in the northern parts of North America. So the beanie hat is the hat of choice this season, I think. <laughs> so you talked about the synthesis and, and this like coming together. And that makes me think of the word that came up when I first came across you, which is edutainment. And I am a huge fan of a portmanteau when you take two words and smush them together. So what is edutainment? And is that your idea? Did you coin that? 
I love the portmanteaus. Yes, there are many out there. Chortling is one that I, which I believe is chuckle <laughs> and snort. So you might chortle. <laughs> Another one who recognised my British accent is Brexit, which I'm not going to talk about too much, but that is also a portmanteau. Edutainment is also a portmanteau. We did not come up with this. I wish we did, but we didn't. Most people have attributed this to Walt Disney, actually, back in the 40s. And Disney did do loads of edutainment projects. In fact, around even around the Second World War, they did a kind of lot of edutainment stuff around informational entertainment programming around what the US were doing in the Second World War and post-war. But actually, Disney never, ever actually called their work edutainment, even though that's what they were doing. It's been widely attributed to this guy called Robert Heyman, uh, 1973 or four, I think. He was making documentaries for the National Geographic Society, and he described his documentaries as edutainment, education plus entertainment. So that's where the word, the portmanteau came from. So it's been around for about 40 years, but actually it's been in existence. I mean, even before Disney, if we go all the way back to kind of the 1600s and 1700s, kind of there were alternative educators who were deliberately in, interweaving entertaining stuff into their education. So it's been around a long time, but only for about 40 or 50 years. So we did not coin it, alas, but we're glad to be a small part of it. I love it. I think that even just the word itself helps shape what the experience could be. You know, if you say educational, it takes on a bit of a well, almost a boring kind of idea. If you say entertainment, then it takes on that light, fluffy, you know, kind of shallow idea. So even just by using that word, I think it opens the doors to what is possible. Absolutely. And I think also the word has had a, a difficult past. It's had some stigma. So for a lot of the kind of 90s and 2000s, there was this, this phrase that I really like called chocolate cover broccoli which is what a lot of edutainment became. Yeah, I can see yeah. <laughs> it might sound like a good idea, but it still doesn't actually taste that good. And a lot of educational edutainment stuff became chocolate covered broccoli and that let's try and make it entertaining, but actually the entertainment bit isn't that good and it's still just educational. But then also the educational stuff started to fall away because there was too much focus on trying to make it entertaining. And so that kind of became a problem in the kind of 90s and 2000s. However, we believe that there is a kind of new golden era of edutainment emerging with a lot of the stuff that's been happening in the last few years, whether that's through kind of pandemic-related living online. Web3 is a really interesting thing. Gamification, community stuff, all these kind of trends are kind of coming together to show that there's possibly some really exciting new edutainment emerging that is both educational and entertaining and has that right balance where it doesn't feel like, oh, it's just something to watch on Netflix on the couch, but also it's not, oh, I'm being subjected to something that I've got to sit through. Finding that sweet spot balance. Well, and so you are, I guess, well, you're professionals. This is what you do is find engaging ways to bring members or audiences or teams together and engage. But how do you do that so it's fresh and exciting each time. There's a lot of community professionals who are challenged because they feel stagnate, stagnant, or they feel like they're doing the same thing over and over again. Consistent engagement, but like that feels fresh and exciting. What is your advice for them? Yeah. So some simple stuff that you can do right away, because obviously if people are busy, they're in busy in their jobs and just everything else that's going on in the world, you don't always have a load of time to look at this. So a couple of like quick things to get started with using different formats and different modes. So often we will become creatures of habit and go to the kind of thing that we know and love, whether that is a particular platform or we always do a Q&A or we always do a webinar or whatever. Try and use different formats and modes. And also don't be 
scared of switching modes. So something that we find to keep engagement good is a, a rule of thumb is switch the format or switch the mode every 30 minutes. And online, I'd even say less, even more like 15. So if we're doing a Q&A session, 15 minutes, then we're going to switch into doing an activity. If we're doing an activity, 15 minutes, let's switch into like a couple of slides about something. Why not show a video? Let's use a 30 seconds of a YouTube clip from maybe some pop culture thing that everybody can relate to, to tell a story. So we find switching modes and using different formats, putting the uh, little bit of extra investment up front and not being afraid to switch fairly regularly. Now, you don't want to switch too quickly. If you think about your favorite TV shows, if each scene was six seconds long, you kind of lose the thread really quickly. It'd be too overwhelming. But within every 15 minutes or so, just adjust something make a change, change from one thing to another. That can be a really powerful and effective shift you can make in the things that you're trying to do to engage the people you're trying to serve. That's really good advice. And I think there's, I mean, I love the idea of the 15 minute switch up during events because especially virtual events, it can be so hard to engage people consistently throughout an edge and a, a virtual event. And we see, even when we look at our statistics, people join the event and then, you know, you start to see this kind of dwindle as people begin to leave. Absolutely. And uh, so it takes me back to sort of thinking about pop culture. A lot of, as I said at the beginning, we were built kind of on the thesis of this stuff should feel more like a entertainment experience like a movie or music or something else and so or games and i was watching the james bond the newer james bond movie over over the holidays and i felt personally i'm hoping the producers won't come after me because obviously i'm such a massive influence on there on their, <laughs> <laughs> they're definitely going to be after me i thought that the intro sequence felt really long it felt really i was waiting for that the big moment but it took a long time to come. And, and usually with the Bond film, that first five minutes, you've, you're hooked. That first sequence where it's, you know, he's jumping off the bridge and he's going on the crazy car chase. Within the first two minutes, they've hooked you right away. And I think actually we can take learnings from that with our even our work events. Like how do we don't need to do a crazy stunt or wear a tuxedo, but how can we hook people in the first couple of minutes? What's something that can maybe surprise people a bit? or something they relate to or recognize. You know, often with Bond films, you get the kind of, it's Marrakesh, you know, over the kind of aerial shot. And it, God, we just want to be in Marrakesh. It gets us excited. We can relate to it because we went there on vacation or whatever it is. So I think the the first couple of minutes, even when people arrive, that's a, an opportunity to create something a little bit surprising, a bit magical, a bit engaged, something that people aren't expecting and it will draw people in. And that can really mitigate the fact that even after a few minutes people have said oh okay it's one of these things that i've seen before and the last one wasn't so good so i'm checking out i'm not that interested but actually that first few minutes can be magical if you are willing to sort of take a little bit of a risk and be a bit bold by bringing something else in i think what that example shows me is that anything could be edutainment because you just learned a lesson from james bond so that's great. I firmly believe that almost anything can be. I believe that almost any topic can be made engaging and enticing and exciting. We, we've done projects on all kinds of topics from deep astronomical science stuff through to sustainability, through to music, all, ki all kinds of things. And I think there is, there is magic in all kinds of topics if you know how to unpack it and share it with people and, and bring people into it in a way where they feel part of it or want to be a part of it. And so, yeah, and if, whether it is bringing in a James Bond opening sequence at the beginning, there's loads of creativity with this. So I think my other suggestion for community professionals is don't suppress your almost childlike 
curiosity and creativity. Don't be afraid to bring that in. Like inject a little bit of humor, inject a little bit of, oh, here's this thing that I saw that was kind of cool. Or here's this little story about my washing machine from yesterday. Or whatever it is. Like, don't be afraid. I've got a washing machine just off camera. <laughs> That's where <laughs> I can see it. I don't don't be afraid to just add a little bit of that stuff in, weave it in. And again, it will make the experience feel more personal because it's got stuff that's personally related to you and your your community. So I think not being afraid to surface that stuff can be really valuable too. And then it can make things more fun. And you've talked about using personal story to connect with others. And I would love to hear a little bit about that. I think a lot of community managers struggle to find the balance between work and personal because a lot of us are managing communities for work. So there needs to be that work-life balance. So how do you connect with personal stories with members without getting too personal? How do you know where that line is? I think it's a, per speaking of personal, I think it it is up to the person. Something we think about a lot in the things we do is this word permission. And so we often, we often give permission to people to say, hey, if, you know, if this isn't, if you're not wanting to engage too much, that's cool. That's fine. If you want to engage more, that's great. So I think treating people as humans, treating people as adults, assuming we're dealing with adults, we're not mandating. I think that's there's a big difference between mandate when people are mandated and enrolled. And maybe with some community engagement stuff, perhaps people are mandated. You know, maybe the company said, Hey, it's an all hands, we've all got to be there. But even if they are mandated to be there, when I don't believe we need to mandate them to do stuff and do everything the way this is the one way we all have to do it this way and i think giving permission makes people more likely to enroll so this is kind of a bit of a jujitsu move if you say hey it's okay if you're not into this actually people are probably by having that permission i'm like, oh, no, actually no, i'm okay i'm okay with it yeah i'll share a little bit whereas if you force them then you get this kind of reaction and actually what we want is more of a kind of response where someone leans into it rather than getting, oh, I don't like this. This feels like I'm being forced into it. And so something we think about a lot is permission and how do we create conditions where people feel that they can enroll into it. The other part of this, when it comes to personal stories, is there's always, again, it's a very human thing. There's always some common ground somewhere. Even the if we think about maybe documentaries that you watch, where an explorer goes off to cultures that feel completely different to our own, there is always this human connection there somewhere. We feel this. We feel this connection to these other people we've never met, who are from completely different countries, completely different cultures, backgrounds. There's going to be common ground somewhere, and so I think trying to notice where the common ground may be in the stories you're sharing, and also as a if you're maybe facilitating the experience, maybe noticing where the common ground is as someone else shares their story and helping kind of surface that for the group that again can create that sense of kind of connection and enrollment so as far as the line goes i think the permission part is really helpful i think maybe speaking for myself a little bit whenever i've been mandated to share i've been more likely not to whereas if the conditions are being created where it's like you don't have to, if you can share a little bit, great. If you want to share a bit more, even better, but it's up to you. I feel way more comfortable then. And then it, you give people the opportunity to kind of ease their way into it. But also you're not shutting out the people that are ready to share because they're, they're ready to go. They're good to go anyway. So it's how do we smartly create the conditions where kind of everyone can gradually go at their own pace and we get little bits of sharing from some people, we get a lot from others, but no one feels excluded. And so this word permission comes up for us a lot. And also, how do we create 
conditions where people feel like, oh, I'm I'm enrolled in this, I'm part of it, and I'm not being sort of forced. So th- those are those are a couple of thoughts I have around how we get people to kind of connect more personally. That's very helpful. I think it's also helpful to hear that even with just such a simple change of verbiage that you use to ask that question or offer that permission, you're right. It can make a world of difference for how people feel and how they react. Yeah, and just as a as a side note, this is something you know we think about a lot, especially recently. I think maybe especially in our current times, um, the verbiage and language it really does matter. And if we're thinking about particularly maybe if you're working globally, if you're working with like cross-cultural audiences, different cultures, different geographies, really thinking about the verbiage and the different meanings of things. I mean, I'm, I'm British and I live in America. It's a different language. So thinking about which words are we using and offering different words. So if, if this word doesn't make sense for you, here's another way we can think about it. And so again, it's offering optionality for people. I think that's also part of it. And, re- and using language that feels inclusive and people want to be kind of part of and connected to. So I think the the words we use matter a lot as well. Well, Howard, we don't have any limits on the community corner except our time limit, and we're almost there. So we've come to my last question. I ask all of my guests the same one. Who is a community builder that you would love to grab lunch with? Okay, so this person, I think she's probably a bit of a community legend, actually, community building legend. Her name is Tina. She runs a company called Creative Mornings, and she actually lives around the corner from me. She's probably <laughs> 200 feet from me at this moment. We've never met in person. So even though she's on, she's maybe out on her stoop, maybe not today because it's freezing cold. She's out on her stoop. She's in the neighborhood at the coffee shop. We've never met in person. Even though we've exchanged tweets and emails. I've done workshops for them, all kinds of stuff. We've never grabbed lunch. So Tina, we need to grab lunch around Brooklyn sometime because we're around the corner from each other. It feels remiss that we don't. So that's the person I'd love to grab lunch with because it feels kind of crazy that we haven't because we live around the corner from each other. Yeah, it also feels really accessible. <laughs> Very accessible, and really, I've got no excuse not to have made it happen. So maybe I'm gonna maybe I'm gonna reach out and we'll do a kind of bundled up with jackets and hats in the cold little lunch with some mm-hmm. soup. Good idea. Thank you so much for sharing, Howard. And thank you for joining me. It's been such a pleasure. Thanks, Beth. This has been great. See you soon. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked the show, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to learn more about how to create your own community, go to pod.bevy.com. That's pod.bevy.com. This is the Community Corner, and I'm Beth McIntyre. McIntyre.